Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. So we're going to carry on through the book of Acts today. Peter addresses the crowd. This, this, I'm going to read a passage. Yeah, down there will be great. Down there will be great. Thanks, Abel. You played so nicely today. You're good. Good job, buddy. Do you know, my, my earliest memory of someone being born is Abel. Abel and his twin brother, brother Jairus, I used to terrorize a lot when they were little kids. We would play hide and go seek as children outside in the back garden when we were little. And I would go, boo. And then Abel would cry. And that's how I'd find out where he was. And I would win. And then his dad would tell me off. But that was temporary and winning is eternal. So I, so I would continue. The most trouble I ever got in with Abel's dad was when he and his twin brother Jairus um, were asleep and Abel's older sister Hannah and I were best mates and I discovered that you could put cream or shaving cream in people's hands and then tickle their faces and, you know, they were smeared all around. So we were doing that. I was having the time of my life until about 15 minutes later after we've left the room and we're like, you know, having Milo's or something because we're about 10, 12 years old and then the boys wake up and they're about five or six, and, and they're crying because they've got all this stuff on their faces. They have no idea where it's come from. And so they're, they're stumbling around the house in tears. There's probably like toxins running into their eyes, and they go see their dad, they're like, there was wrong, my face is melting. And he's just like, mm, Jared. But now I have the memory. Worth it. <laughs> Um, Ash McKenzie, I don't think he's in the room this morning, but Elise, you're in the room somewhere, Elise, um, talking about like not regretting things, Ash McKenzie, he's a phenomenal guy, um, been at this church for a long time, uh, we worked together in television for years in Invercargill, and Ash would have this habit every now and then of dropping something, so I'd be in my cubicle editing a documentary or something, and Ash McKenzie, this is in Invercargill, he worked in a cubicle next to me, every now and then something would go wrong, a piece of equipment would fall over, you'd hear something break uh, or something like that, and next moment he would get up, sprint out of the room, and we had this massive window on the boarded onto the sidewalk, and he would sprint past the window so get up, break, sprint out. As he sprint past the window, he'd have his arms in the air and he would yell out, I regret nothing! <laughs> As this act of defiance to himself for his clumsy moment. And then he would walk in like this casual cat like five minutes later like nothing happened and it was the most brilliant gag. So I want to encourage you, if you're ever in a situation where you do something embarrassing and people are aware, just lift your hands up, scream, I regret nothing, run off, Come back five minutes later, totally dry humor, like nothing's happened, and just observe people's reactions <laughs> of you. Oh my gosh. Peter addresses the crowd. I have to stay on target because Denise had a word about not following rabbit holes. So, <laughs> two of them. I like preaching, I like preaching in this church uh, because. Josh usually has a pretty good idea of what God's talking to him about for the life of the church. So normally when I speak somewhere, um, they might have the general theme and they're just like, whatever, whatever Holy Spirit says. When Josh has me speak, he says, whatever Holy Spirit says. However, um, <laughs> if 
if it were me, this is the passage, and these are the three points that I would bring out. I, I, I get these in emails. I would make this illustration, and this is potentially some of the next steps of culture that I feel like God is wanting to layer into the church. So if you could just lean into some of these moments, because this is what God's been talking to me about. And so preparing messages to speak in this church is super simple. Uh, Because I just read the email, I'm like, "Mm, Holy Spirit, do you agree? Mm, Those are good thoughts. Okay, then. All right, so... Peter addresses the crowd. If you haven't been keeping up with the book of Acts, good news is uh, we might be halfway through the year, but you're only two chapters in. You can catch up really quickly. (laughs) What I love about this story, I want to to put this in context a little bit, okay? So Pentecost is happening. So if if you're not aware of the story, Jesus has died. Uh, That was sad. Then he came back to life. That was awesome. And then he went to heaven, and everybody had mixed feelings, now they don't know what to feel. They're on this emotional roller coaster. Um, and they're probably expecting him to come back in their lifetime because Jesus really made it sound like that. Um, and he says, Don't go anywhere. Pray until the Holy Spirit comes on you in power, yada, yada, yada. So the, the disciples are locked together. Um, they're hanging out, they're praying. Holy Spirit turns up in this big thunderous sound. Could you imagine uh, Holy Spirit? has been resting on people from time to time in the Old Testament. Every now and then, there would be a select person that would be the exemption, uh, would be a representation of a Christ-like person, and Holy Spirit would get to rest on them from time to time, and they would do great wonders. Samson would become incredibly strong. Uh, Elisha could pull down like the weather and change things. Elijah could call fire down from heaven. They could raise uh, dead people back to life. They could prophesy, but it was just the selects. I wonder when, when Jesus gets to live amongst humanity with this incredible heart for people, I wonder if Holy Spirit was like, man, I can't wait for my turn. Man, I can't wait. I've been able to touch a few lives and I've been able to rest on a few people, but I am so in love with the children of God. I want to make my home inside of them. And so you imagine that moment when Jesus ascends to heaven and then he releases the Holy Spirit. I love this. When Jesus lived, the Word of God says he only did what he saw the Father doing. Speaks of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit does what he sees Jesus doing. And so Holy Spirit gets to come, and I think that he was just so excited that he finally gets to live in the hearts of his children, turns up in this thunderous moment, there's tongues of fire, and he is like, let's have an amazing adventure together. Everybody starts speaking in this supernatural language. They spill out onto the streets and... It says that God-fearing Jews from all around the world had gathered. And they hear these people speaking in this supernatural language, but they're hearing it in their own native tongue. So the people from Chaldea are hearing them speaking Chaldean. uh, And, you know, you get the picture. And they're like, oh, my gosh, how is it that this person's speaking and there's eight of us all hearing him in our own language? And then a couple of people go, well, they're drunk. And, 
you know, haters are going to hate. There's always somebody in the crowd who makes up some ridiculous conspiracy theory about it. And they're like, well, I don't know. And people will be like, I've been drunk before and I didn't speak in 10 languages at the same time. Can you imagine them having this weird debate? Well, what were you drinking? I was drinking this. You know, they have their side wee huddle um, and all of those things. And then Peter addresses the crowd. The reason why I want to give a little bit of a backstory is that the verse that says God-fearing Jews from all around the world had gathered really stood out to me as I was putting this passage in context. And so as we read this passage and Peter addresses the crowd, he is not addressing people who are living a life that is trying to displease God. They're God-fearing people. And in their time, they were viewing themselves as righteous. They were viewing themselves as ones who were doing all that they could do to please God and give God honor. And it's important to have that understanding as Peter speaks to them because he's speaking to people who believe that they're doing everything right. How often do we have that viewpoint of ourselves that we are doing everything right And it is not until Holy Spirit contrasts or convicts something in us that all of a sudden we cease an error in our ways. I I have had countless moments in my life of being 100% right until I had a Jesus encounter and realized I was 100% prideful. You know, I I had moments of being 100% right and going into conflict realizing that I'd actually chosen justice over mercy. And the Word of God says mercy triumphs over judgment. And so as we read this passage, I don't want us to look at it from the lens of Peter talking to people who were in rebellion against God. He's talking to people who are trying their hardest to please the Father. So let's begin. And I I would say that as I read through this, this is the longest uh, passage I've read in one chunk while delivering a word before. So I will do my best. I am actually not the greatest reader out loud. I've been reading a book out loud at the moment at home, and I'm practicing my ability to read out loud. So let's see how we go. Hopefully I'll get their names right. Then Satan sat down. (laughs) Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, (laughs) I love that. It's like, come on, guys, it's nine. Let's let's be real. If it were 11, maybe. (laughs) Looking at you, John. Or your communions. Mm-hmm. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of that great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, I love this, this is one of the greatest verses of all time. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him. You guys doing all good? Following along? Awesome. I saw the Lord was always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Then Peter says, brothers, brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life. And we were all witnesses of that fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the other apostles. Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. That's us. We're the far off ones. For For all whom the Lord will call, With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What a cool passage. What a a cool moment. And and then the, the church is born. You know, the body of Christ begins to have lungs and hearts, arms and feet and, you know, it begins to explode on the face of the planet. And there's a couple of things that I want to draw out from this passage. You know, and I've seen, you know, he's talking to people that have this heart desire, I want to please God. And up until that moment, they had thought that what they were doing was right. You know, when they were having Jesus crucified, they thought, man, we're doing God a good service right now. We're getting rid of this heretic zealot you know, who's leading everybody astray from the teachings of Moses. We, we are doing a good thing, caught up in their own self-righteousness, religious nature and pride. But then as, imagine that, that atmosphere of, of the presence of God 
around that space at the moment as, you know, only a short time prior had turned up like a storm. And now has inside of these people and is now flowing out, anointing the words of Peter, severing bone from marrow with the word of God. This is what God is saying. And, and I love what their response is. What should we do? Often we, we come into connection with God or moments or we're reading our Bible and, and we're gathering knowledge. You know, it's something that Josh and I will chat about from time to time, and Josh will often tell me, you know, Jared, the Western church has got no shortage of knowledge. What we have in the West is a shortage of action. We we, we don't need more teaching. We we need more discipleship. We, We don't need more instruction. We need more surrender. We we don't need to have another piece of knowledge that puffs up, added to our repertoire of understanding, we need to follow the simple instructions of obedience. And so I love this, this moment, is, what should we do? And Peter's response is, I just have cheeky things going through my mind, I'm, I'm just filtering this through with the, don't go down rabbit holes. Repent and be baptized. And you know, repentance basically means to be going this way, to, to come into fresh revelation or conviction, and now I'm going this way. It doesn't mean to camp in sorrow. It doesn't mean to try and feel bad. It means I will now believe differently, think differently, and therefore act differently. I will live differently because I have experienced something. I, I must now live a different way. So what he's saying to them is, believe different. You you, you thought that what you were doing was enough to please God and that you could survive by religious practices. You can't. You have to believe differently. You have to think differently. And because of that, you need to do an action. Something physically has to change. You need to get baptized, which is the physical and supernatural demonstration and participation of our old life being washed away that we are crucified into the death of Christ and then we are risen up into the life of Christ so that we can have full access to the kingdom of heaven. And I love as we're going through Acts, like as a church, the heartbeat is I I want more Jesus. You know, if I were to sum, you know, why we worship, why we preach, why we pray, why do we do what we do at Activate Church is, is I, I want to be closer to Jesus. I, I want more intimacy. I want, I, want, I want more. I want more of his presence. I want to be more like him. I want to get closer to him. And I believe what uh, one of the key steps that we continually revisit is the step of repentance. We have a group of people who believe they're doing everything right until Peter says, you actually have to do a 180. And we can run the risk of growing to a level of intimacy in our relationship with God and plateauing because we think when it comes to our surrender or our humility or our purity that we have reached the point of success. And we plateau in our intimacy. 
But the reality is, is that we are such a continual work in progress that Jesus is faithful to bring to completion that we actually need to have moments of encounter and surrender with the Holy Spirit that we would be honest with Him and say, what is it that I need to repent of? What are some of the things in my life that I need to re-surrender and have washed off me? What are the things that need to die to Christ again? What are the things that I surrendered but then I picked back up? I want to tell you a brief story. This is possibly one of my, well, it is one of my most favorite moments in a, in a classic church ministry environment. I was running a youth camp called Storm Camp, and Denise, you might have even been, been there at, at this one, and Activate Youth would come, and it was about 200 teenagers together and 30 or so leaders or, or whatever, maybe 170 kids and 50, 60 leaders, because they'd get rowdy. Raina would walk around with a clipboard, just catching people being naughty. She loved it. She had a walkie-talkie and a bunch of awesome South African guys on security control. And, uh, and it's, we've been in this environment where it's, um, I think it's the last day. And so it's been a couple of days, and the youth have been getting gradually soaked in the presence of God. Holy Spirit, like in Pentecost, is, is pouring himself out generously on his creation. And I'm preaching, and I, it's, I do a communion message. And it was not, definitely would not be in the top 20 words I've ever delivered. You know, it was just like, mm, yep, it happened. I did it. And we're having communion. The band is on the stage playing. And I invite people to come up. And there begins to be a row at, at the front and it's a very, very high stage. And so there's all these wee communion cups as youth are placing them on the front of the stage. So those right at the front. And, and their heads are sort of like this high. And as I'm just in this presence of God, and, and it's just it's quite nice, it's quite subtle, it's just been slowly just building like a nice dew on the ground. Everyone's having a nice, respectable moment having communion. And then there's this guy, he's about 16, he's an emerging youth leader in my youth group, and he starts making a mess. And he's having communion, and all of a sudden, I, I don't know if he was aware of how loud he was, but he is so desperate to repent, he starts yelling, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me, I've been so false. I've been so false. Jesus, I've been pretending I haven't been real. I haven't been real with you. I've been pretending in front of my friends. I'm pretending with you. And he is weeping as he begins yelling out, Jesus, forgive me, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, that could be embarrassing for you later. Um, <laughs> you know, and he just is just gunning for it unashamable repentance. And then, as the conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to move around the room, people begin weeping in the front, just dropping to their knees as they're taking communion, weeping and, and confessing their shortcomings, confessing their sin to Christ as, as, as they're in that space of communion and conviction rolls out across the room. And people just begin to weep. And I'm just sort of watching this. And I'm like, and now the presence of God is, is strong. You know, it is like, uh, you can, it's like, 
You could t- almost taste it. And as repentance begins to roll out and people begin to weep and confess, uh, that's when it really began to escalate. As that repentance rolled out, I heard the first one. And it was this demonic shrieking scream from the middle of the room as the demonic spirits that were tormenting the lives of people could no longer handle the supernatural presence of God flooding the room. And the first one popped, and I remember going like, oh, thinking to myself, mm, it's on now. <laughs> Got him. You know, I remember there was one that popped over there, and then, because you could see all the kids go, scatter. You know, this pocket, you know, it's like 20 kids go, ugh, what is that? You know, and there's a person uh, writhing on the ground, convulsing with the demon, shrieking and screaming. And then another one popped, and another one popped, and another one bit the dust. That was not intentional. Um, and they, were, you, were you there at this, Denise? And it was just, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And, and people just began manifesting demons all around the room as the presence of God built and built. And we basically ended up, for the next hour and a half to two hours, it was like a triage system of saying, okay, I just feel like Holy Spirit saying there's people that have been sexually abused and God's bringing freedom and we've got a private area set up over here. I want two male youth leaders, two female youth leaders go over there and if that's you, then Jesus is gonna set you free and we've got people that are dealing with physical sickness and we need three leaders over there if that's you and then deliverance was just happening around the room and inner healing. And at some point, being the really spiritual leader that I am, I became aware that I was quite hungry and it was past lunchtime, and Holy Spirit was still doing things. I was like, well, he's got it pretty well under control, so I'm going to go get the food, because later on, all these kids will come out, and there'll be a queue, and I hate queuing. So I went out, had food, and hanging out with a couple of security people, because I was now bored, because um, my attention span had faded. Denise was still being good. And I came back in like half an hour later, and probably half the youth were still there, in prayer, and they'd been in the room since about 10 a.m. Now it was about 2 or something like that, 1.32, and were just totally being set free, restored, and redeemed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the, the catalyst, the catalyst was this youth, emerging youth leader, totally unashamedly making an utter spectacle and fall of himself, oblivious to everybody else around him, but so aware, I have to repent. I have to repent. And he was like that flint, that spark that began to catch a few, few bit of dry brush as those on the front that had been hungry in the worship began to, to capture the conviction of the Holy Spirit, began to lay things down. And these were not people that we would say were, were in any sense evil. These are incredibly awesome, phenomenal young people, just like here in the book, people that feared God. But for us to make room for Holy Spirit, I often talk about the Holy Spirit as like the most devoted real estate agent on the planet. He is hungry for fresh real estate. And when we repent and we turn away from old beliefs and we turn away from old actions and we, we surrender again into the death of Christ and rise back up into his resurrection, we create fresh spaces around our being for him to inhabit. 
And as we explore this book of Acts further, this is my thought. Do you have more space you could free up for him? You know, do you, do you have more real estate? Is there another door in your heart that, that you're right now not aware of? The Holy Spirit will make you aware of as you engage him in conversation, the most trustworthy real estate agent ever. Jesus says, I knock at the, stand at the door and I knock and if anyone opens it, I'll come in and I'll eat with him. He doesn't come in with a voice of accusation. Comes, I just, oh, thank you, this is another space I can have a relationship in. And so I'd love if we could get any musician um, to just make a nice sound. Just, just a nice sound. And, and I want to leave us with this thought, and I'd love us just to take, not sure how I'm going for time. Um, okay, too much time spent being funny at the start, my apologies. Um, we're just going to take two to three minutes, and I want you to jot down these two questions. I've, in my life, I reckon these are some of the most powerful questions you can ask Holy Spirit. Is there anything I'm doing or believing that you want me to stop? Is there anything I'm not doing or believing that you want me to start? As they said to Peter, what should we do? Let let us, as we explore the book of Acts, and as we go, man, my heart desire is to have more of God, not less. More of you, Jesus, less of myself. What are you asking from me right now? I don't need more knowledge. I need more surrender. I need more encounter. Holy Spirit, is there anything that I need to repent from? To just go, I was going that way. Now I'm going to go this way.